you find yourself at The Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another round. I apologize for not having a show the last two weeks. Life has been busy. Life has been throwing me curveballs. Okay. I knew they were curveballs. Let's, let's, I'm not going to beat around the bush. The wife is pregnant, buying a house, lots on the go, a lot of things that I've had to think about the last two weeks. So I am sorry for not doing a show. Check that. I'm not sorry. I don't apologize to anybody. You need to apologize to me for not demanding that I do a show. Maybe I would have found the time then. I'm kidding. I love everybody. I love you all. Let's talk about some fights. Let's get over the petty shit. Okay. This past weekend, UFC 218 in the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Boy, uh, big card. Really, really, really nice card. I mean, on paper, it was a pretty sweet card. And then in practice, it was a pretty, pretty sweet card. Uh, some excellent, excellent fights. Some uh, A fight of the year candidate, maybe two fight of the year candidates, in all honesty. Um, Yancey Medeiros and Alex Oliveira was a fight of the year candidate. And Justin Gaethje versus... The underground king, Eddie Alvarez, that was a fight of the year candidate. When you have two fight of the year candidates on the same card, plus the greatest featherweight to ever walk the earth, Jose Aldo, plus his heir apparent who is increasingly looking like the best, if not the best, featherweight of all time. Maybe still ways to go on that first part, but I don't think there's any real denying he might he might be the, the second best featherweight ever, period. Full stop. And you have possibly the next transcendent heavyweight in Francis Ngannou. All on the same card. I mean shit. That was that was a beauty. Absolute pleasure. We're going to start at the top. So, Max Holloway. Max Holloway. Max Blessed Holloway, the pride of Hawaii. Once again, matched up against Jose Aldo. This time in a title defense. The first time he took the belt. This time he had to defend the belt. And once again, walked away. With that strap secure around his waist and once again did it in convincing fashion I mean what more can you say about Max Holloway what more can you say this this kid is exciting talented brash you know he's got I think he's gotten better on the mic too what he said after this fight compared to what he said after some of the other fights you know I thought it was measured it was it was a nice balance of dismissive and humble, cocky, but you know, realistic. Just a great performance all around. Great performance. Now, I mean, we're going to have to I'm going to have to get this a brief eulogy for 
the featherweight reign of Jose Aldo. You know, his loss to Conor McGregor was pretty devastating. You know, I, I honestly think that if you took away that punch, which I don't consider a lucky punch, you know, to me that he caught him coming in. If you took away that punch, I think Jose Aldo at that time in his career, at that time in Conor McGregor's career, I think Jose Aldo would have won that fight nine times out of ten. But he got caught. He got caught, and he got caught in 13 seconds, and he got caught by Conor McGregor, which all adds up to never going to get another shot at Conor McGregor again. And so Aldo kind of was left adrift. He came back, fought Frankie Edgar for the interim belt, completely outclassed Edgar for the second time in his career, completely outclassed a guy who was dominating, Everybody at featherweight at that time. And looked like the old Jose Aldo. Looked like a guy who if, if there hadn't been a 13-second knockout punch, we'd still be talking about. You know, at that moment, as the greatest there'd ever been. Maybe the greatest in the sport, pound for pound. His performance against Frank Yeager was that good. And then he faced Max Holloway. And that that all... That all went away, you know. That first time against Max, pretty devastating. Third round, just just battered. Battered until finished. You know, but he looked good in the first round. He looked good in the second round of that fight. And then Holloway's style, Holloway just overwhelmed him. Holloway kept in his face. Holloway kept on putting volume on him. And Aldo is one of the greatest defensive fighters there's ever been. But there's sort of an exploitation of the market at that point. He was exploiting. He was exploiting pretty rudimentary boxing. He was exploiting guys who most of the time weren't the same athlete as him. He was exploiting guys who could not pour on the volume, the combinations, who could not kind of adapt. And so he his defensive moves, he would move, dodge, move, dodge, get out of range, counter when he had to, leg kick. Guys couldn't handle it. Guys couldn't handle it. But Max Holloway is the kind of guy who can change up his targets. He can stay in in your face. He can throw combinations that are layered. So he has a punch ready to throw after every punch. And Aldo just kind of... It felt like a chess match where Aldo just ran out of moves. And this fight felt the exact same way. Aldo looked good in the first round. He looked good in the second round. You know, he used more leg kicks, which is what a lot of analysts were saying he should. He should use more leg kicks. He went away from it in the first fight. He needed to use them in the second fight. And he did. And he buckled Holloway's legs a few times. And it didn't seem to matter. The fight followed essentially the exact same script. And this is the reality of fighting a guy like Max Holloway, okay? Here's Max Holloway is a stylistic nightmare for everyone at Featherweight because he has an incredible cardio. He can go all day. His boxing is layered, like I said, and he's long. And after improving his takedown defense substantially in recent years, I mean, that's that's a 
that's a tough guy to match up against, especially in a division where, you know, most of these guys are giving up height and length to him, and then cardio, and then striking skills. Max Holloway has, and, and volume, just sheer volume. Holloway overwhelms people. He overwhelms guys in a division where if you're matched up against a bigger dude who's all about overwhelming you, it's just sort of a matter of time. And Jose Aldo was, you know, it, it, it's, it's sort of ironic that Jose Aldo built his career exploiting the division, exploiting the marketplace, so to speak. Feather, featherweight for a long time was basically a bunch of wrestle punchers. Short, stockier guys who wanted to try to grapple with you to, uh, you know, and use pretty basic boxing. And Jose Aldo was the kryptonite for that style. Guys could not get the takedown on him. And once they could not get the takedown on him, they were screwed. They stayed, if they were in kicking range, he'd chop out their legs with leg kicks. If they got in close, their boxing was not layered enough. To get past his defense. And his counter punching was stiff and it was hard. And he was athletic. He exploited a whole generation of, of wrestle punchers. Guys like Uriah Faber. Mike Brown. Manny Gamburian. Mark Kamenik. Chad Mendes. Frankie Edgar. Ricardo Lamas. All those guys. Whether they, whether they all were the exact same or not. Or close. They were close. They were close in what they liked to do. And Aldo exploited that. And now... It seems that Max Holloway exploited Jose Aldo stylistically. He's just not a good matchup for Jose Aldo. He is a nightmare matchup for a Jose Aldo. And now the question is, will Max Holloway continue and will he exploit the rest of the division the same way he's exploited Jose Aldo? It, it it will be very, very interesting to see. With the current record he's got right now, it seems like that's pretty possible. He's got 12 consecutive wins in the division. Seems to me that he's he's figured something out. His style is, works against the guys at this at this division, at the at the one forty five pound divisions. Excuse me. So, it, it looks like he's going to continue this. And you know what? As a big big Jose Aldo fan, I'm I'm really, you know, I'm sad that this is sort of the way that Aldo's reign kind of ends. Now the Conor McGregor thing was heartbreaking, um, but this is just where you just hang your head and, and shake uh, that it goes out like this, but they all go out like this. All greats go out like this, but I'll tell you what, I am thrilled that it was Max Holloway who did it and not some schlub who came in. I shouldn't say schlub. If you beat Jose Aldo, you're, you're more than a schlub, but just some guy who comes in, beats Aldo and then loses the belt right away. And you know, it was, it was a flash in the pan. Uh, you kind of get the impression that Max Holloway is going to hold this belt for some time. When you look at the guys that he's going to have to contend with at featherweight, I mean, that top 10 already beat Aldo twice. Frankie Edgar could be a good 
a, t a stiff test for him, but I just don't feel Frankie has the size or the athleticism. And since Max has shored up his his uh, takedown defense, I, I mean, I feel like that fight stays on the feet. And Frankie's a, a bit too rote. A bit too rote for Max. Max is going to find his way through that, through the range. He's going to get the timing. He's going to get the distance, and that's going to be it. Ricardo Lamas, same thing. I mean, Lamas is kind of a boomer bust guy. Lamas is incredible killer instinct. Some of the best in the game, actually, like the way he can finish fights. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really have that that killer factor the rest of the time. I, I don't see him beating Aldo, uh, uh, Holloway. Cub Swanson, I don't see him beating Holloway. Uh, he already lost to him once. Lamas already lost to him once. Who else is in here? J you know, Jeremy Stevens is at eight. He's already lost to Holloway. I don't see Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. I don't see him beating Holloway. I mean, that's a f that would be a hell of a fun fight, but I don't see it happening. Ortega, I mean, le if it goes to the mat, maybe. Yair Rodriguez, no way. Uh, if they stay at kicking range, sure. I do not see anyone in that top 10 who can who can do it. The only person in that top 15 who I think could do it is Mirsad Bektic because Mirsad is uh, very strong, very athletic, a great grappler, and has improved very steadily with his striking and has a lot of pop and power. But Bektic... Is at fourteen? Is, is at thirteen? He still has to ascend up the rankings. He lost to Darren Elkins, so I mean, there's some, there's still some time before he even gets up there to face Max. So I see Max Holloway holding on to this belt for a long time. Some people hope that Conor McGregor comes down. Maybe they have some kind of a fight. I mean, they're chirping each other on Twitter back and forth, which awesome exchange. But will that fight ever happen? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that Conor would see the money in it if it came to that. But we'll see. Who knows? Now, here's one thing. Joe Rogan, after the fight, posed the question to Max. Saying, you know, maybe you, you've made the argument you're the greatest featherweight of all time, essentially. Listen, I, I love Joe Rogan. I respect Joe Rogan. I think he does his job better than almost anybody. But I think that was a bit irresponsible of a question. I don't think that at this moment, Max Holloway, as Holloway said himself, I don't think that he's he's got. I don't think that he's got the, uh, the resume to to say that. You know, this isn't a lineal thing. You don't beat Jose Aldo twice, and by virtue of beating the greatest there's ever been, become the greatest there's ever been. You know, his his win streak definitely puts him up there, and this is why I say he's he's at least number two, but. He's got to get in there and he's got to defend that belt a few times before I think that question really carries any weight. Uh, Holloway said it himself. He said that Aldo's got all the numbers. He's got all the records. And listen, there is no doubt in my mind that Holloway can get there. And he has started his career spectacularly. You know, beating Jose Aldo, the greatest of all time, to begin your reign. That gives you a hell of a head start. That is a hell of a, a, a hell of a, a way to put your name out there in the greatest of all time conversation. 
So, you know, unlike a lot of guys who start their career by beating out, you know, just a two or three time defending champ. I mean, this is, he's writing, he's writing that resume. He's, he's writing a very, very strong resume. You know, riding the 12, riding those, those tw- uh, 12 fight win streak, you know, beating Aldo twice, once to win, once to defend. There is no better starting point for making the argument. And I think he's going to make a very convincing argument over the next two years. I just don't think that argument starts like Saturday night, two minutes after beating Aldo. Now, one quick note. Aldo got a lot of flack, apparently, from Brazilian fans. Shame on you, Brazilian fans. Shame on you. Aldo's one of the greatest ever. One of my favorites. And here's the other thing. There's no silver linings when you lose. But Jose Aldo is a tough motherfucker. Holloway wailed on him in the first and the second fight for a long, long time. That was one of those where you're wondering, you're actually kind of saying, stop the fight, but I don't know. He was moving. He was trying to defend himself as best he could. It was obvious that he, there, was, there wasn't really any coming back from it, but he was, he was not giving up. And I think he proved he proved the heart he had a, he has the heart of a champion and he always has and I think it's a bunch of bullshit that anyone wants to knock him. You don't like his style? Fine, take a fucking hike. Guy's one of the best that's all uh, that there's ever been. You're just you're just being a negative asshole if you're calling him out for that. Do you think that he didn't put up a good performance against Holloway? Take a fucking hike. He just went up against one of the toughest. Dudes in the sport and looked great through two rounds and then just ran out of moves. Man, that happens to the best of the best all the time. That happened to Conor McGregor after like four minutes against Floyd Mayweather. Four minutes. You know, Max Holloway is one of the best of all time. And Jose Aldo took a beating off him. Oh, bad phrasing. <laughs> he, t- he took a beating, you know, and, and he, he... Sad. Sad to see him go. Sad to see people criticize him. But hey, they can take a fucking hike. That's what I gotta say. All right, that's enough talking about Max Holloway, Jose Aldo. Elsewhere on that card, of course... What bigger story was there than Francis Ngannou? Absolutely. I mean, that is one scary, scary man. It it should be said that Alistair Overeem has a glass chin. This is a guy that has been knocked out frequently. Um but that that was that was incredible. I mean, he just even the way it looked as I, like from a highlight perspective he hit him so hard i it looked like overeem's head popped off like the way it whipped back like that just hit him so so hard he was stiff as a board for a good minute it seemed after that fight 
Dana White's come out and said that he thinks Francis Ngannou can be an international superstar. And hey, I, there's there's definitely something to that. Heavyweights are traditionally considered the baddest men on the planet, the most feared dudes on the planet. Francis Ngannou, <laughs> he typifies that that idea that he's big, he's strong, and he will knock you completely unconscious. He's got the resume. Or not the resume, but but he's he's got the the type, he's got the look. He's got that fear factor. And as Dana White alludes to, he's he's from he's from Cameroon, speaks French, lived in France. This is a guy who can be marketed in many different places. Very, very exciting to see what happens with him next. Uh, apparently that's going to be a title shot against Stipe whenever they figure out Stipe's contract. We hope that they pay Stipe. Stipe! Hope he gets his money. Man deserves it. Hopefully once they pay him, he and Nagano will scrap, and that baby will be a big-time fight. Big-time fight. You can, I've, I think you can expect to see that fight at the top of like another two title fight big like a big card that that to me is a big time card what is this what does this say for alistair overeem is he done no no uh i think you know at heavyweight you're never done another two big wins if he knocks out a couple bit you know contenders he's back in it he's back in it um but boy, I mean, he will not be sparring for like six months. <laughs> that at, at a minimum, I think that that that's that's the truth. Uh, elsewhere on that card, fight of the year candidate Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje. Wow, that was a barn burner, a beautiful, exciting fight to watch. Uh, Eddie Alvarez. You know, he, he reminds you of a classic, he reminds me of a classic boxing, boxer, you know, stylistically the way he fights, a, a true veteran, can adapt on the fly, um, you know, can come after you with, with something new every fight, and, and just, he can get in your face, and he can stay there, he can make it a dog fight if he needs to, he can wrestle you if, if that's what the occasion calls for. He really is one of those old-timey boxing types, and Justin Gaethje was the perfect dance partner for that because he is an old-timey boxing type too. He is a classic slugger where he just puts the earmuffs on, drops his head, walks into people, and just counters off their punches. I mean, w watching some of his highlights, he will literally put the earmuffs on, he'll, get, he'll walk into range, and just almost like he's trying to put the crown of his head on the bottom of somebody's chin... And then when he feels some, you know, when he feels the hands coming from the opponent off his off his guard, he will just throw an instant counter. And he's knocked dudes out that way. And like an old timey slugger, just walk into range, dirty box, pop dudes with those counters. And against Eddie Alvarez, it was exceptional. It was like watching a square peg slide into a a, a square a square hole. You know what I mean? A square hole. Yeah. Uh, uh, they just fit together perfectly. 
Gaethje would walk in, he'd put the earmuffs on, and then Eddie Alvarez would start working the body, working the body. Then Gaethje would throw out some nasty leg kicks. He really brutalized Alvarez with those leg kicks. At one point, you know, I thought that in the third round, he might actually turn the tide and, and, and finish Alvarez with those leg kicks. But you know what? Uh, Alvarez's body work really, really sapped him. Um, and Gaethje just ran out of gas. He ran out of gas. Just the way that fight really ended, he looked super tired and then caught with that knee and just didn't have the energy to defend himself. Great fight. Great, great fight. Uh, where they go from here will be interesting to see. You know, Eddie Alvarez, I mean, this is a guy who has every, uh, he has a good argument. He has a good argument for another title shot. Justin Gaethje was a guy that everyone thought, you know, he beats Eddie Alvarez, maybe he gets a title shot. You know, I think that's the benefit of being the new kid on the block who's super exciting. Eddie Alvarez doesn't really have that benefit because he he just really kind of come off of a title loss and then a no contest versus Dustin Poirier. I think what you got to do here is you got to pit Eddie Alvarez and Poirier back up in a number one contender fight. I think that those two guys deserve it. Uh, you know, nothing's, nothing's owed or deserved or expected in this world, but that is a number one contender fight right there. You know, Tony and, and Connor got to go at it. Khabib and Edson Barboza, they would be a good matchup. And Poirier and Alvarez, you know. Hell, put them on the same card. Put those matchups on the same card and say to the guy... Whoever comes at us with the, the best performance is the number one contender. I think that'd be a great way to do it. What else is in the news? What else is in the news? Let's see. Outside of UFC 218, great card. What else was in the news? What else was in the news? Uh, oh, yeah. Volkan Uzdemir, apparently. Confident that he will get his title shot against Daniel Cormier at UFC 220 next year. Uh, of course, he punched a guy in a bar back in like August, apparently, and I guess they just decided to arrest him, so that's strange, but whatever. Uh, confident he'll get that fight. I mean, that I would not be surprised if that card sells less than 300,000 buys. Uh, nobody knows who Volkan Uzdemir is, even in the MMA community. The guy's only been in the UFC for... I think three fights. I mean, they've been, you know, he's had a couple great performances, but nobody knows who he is. And Daniel Cormier, you know, hasn't really, I don't think he's really proven that he is uh, likable enough to sell. I mean, people sort of equally dislike him as they like him. And it seems like all the, all the reasons that you should like him, he gives people another reason to kind of not like him. Which is unfortunate because he's one of the greats. He's one of the greats there's ever been. He's one of the, you know, should be selling out arena. Well, he sells out arenas, but should be selling huge pay-per-view numbers, and he doesn't. Uh, so I don't know. I don't see Volkan and him that being a big, big title fight. So if it happens, hey, it, you know, great. It happens. That would be nice. Uh, Nico Montano was named the um, UFC's... First 125-pound women's flyweight champion, defeating Roxanne Modafferi. Modafferi, Modafferi, 
Roxanne Modafferi, Modafferi, whatever. Can't pronounce her name. The chick who dresses up uh, does cosplay at weigh-ins. I'll be quite honest. I didn't watch that fight. Uh, had very little interest in seeing, watching tough, seeing the 125 women's. I mean, 135 women's is kind of in a state of crisis right now, if you ask me. 115 is, is now kind of exciting because Joanna's lost. Uh, and they want, and 145 has absolutely no one except Cyborg and Holly Holm, which I don't think is nearly as a big prime time a matchup as as other people think. And 125 is kind of like a what? You know, you, you're struggling to find women at 135, and you're struggling to find contenders at 115. 125, okay. Well, let's, I guess not too excited about that, but hey, it happened. What else? What else is in the news? That's probably about it. That's probably about it. The referees had a pretty hard time at UFC 218. That was something. Herb Dean got some flack for a bad stoppage earlier in the night. He got some flack then also for uh, warning um, David Tamer during his fight against... Uh, Drakar close, you know, warning them to, warning him to actually engage, which was fucking ridiculous. But you know, Drakar close or Drakar close or whatever the hell his name is, total bitch move. Was trying to find every way out of that fight, couldn't close the distance, throwing up his hands, trying to. And David Tamir was just playing the outside fighter game, and her being actually warned David Tamir, which is absolutely, totally bonkers, so stupid. Anyways, uh, that's it for me. Thank you for joining me for another round. I apologize again. No, I don't for not being around the last two weeks, but hey, life happens. Thank you for joining me for the MMA podcast for the fans by the fans. I have been your host, Reese Dobigan, and I'm out.